Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Hi, I'm Amy Keene, and this is Behind the Money with the Financial Times. Last week, I talked to my colleague Richard Waters about Tesla and whether the company could find its way to profitability. They're simply uh, burning through money, building these cars and not making any money on them. And just a few hours after that episode came out, Tesla became the biggest story on Wall Street. We start with the tweet heard around the world, or at least around Wall Street, CEO Elon Musk creating chaos with a single tweet. So how did we go from an earnings call focused on whether the electric car maker was going to turn a profit next quarter to a 60-some-odd character tweet from Musk saying he was going to take the company private? That's what we're tackling this week on the show. Tesla, part two. Arash, let's go back to about a week ago. Tuesday afternoon, you're in the FT's newsroom in London, and you were getting ready to publish a pretty big story. Okay, so I've been working on this for a little while. I had heard that somebody had built a stake in Tesla, but it was below the 5% disclosure threshold. I had spent weeks trying to piece this together, working a network of contacts all around the world, and I finally got it. It was the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund. That's Arash Masudi. He's the FT's corporate finance and deals editor. And the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund, for those who are unfamiliar, isn't just your average sovereign wealth fund. It is the vehicle by which this is absolutely gregarious, you know, can't be slowed down, moving a mile a minute, Mohammed bin Salman. And this is the vehicle through which he is leveraging his vision for Saudi Arabia and how it reforms off an economy that was dependent on oil and into something with a much broader diversification plan. This is the same fund that invested $3.5 billion in Uber, $45 billion with Masayoshi San and SoftBank, up to $20 billion with Steve Schwartzman and Blackstone, and a billion dollars in Virgin Galactic with Richard Branson. And now he has put 2 to $3 billion in Tesla. So it's Tuesday. I had filed my story to the desk to get edited. And then I ran off to a meeting. And I was hoping to come back to sort of watch how this played out because I knew that it would be a big story. We knew that story would be explosive because Tesla isn't just an ordinary stock about a car company. It is a car company that makes a very attractive electric vehicle, which people most likely are familiar with. They will definitely be familiar with Elon Musk. It's South African-born founder, chief executive, cultish icon, who is ultimately the vision behind the company. And they will definitely be familiar with the fact that its market value is actually worth more than many car companies, even though it can barely produce a couple thousand cars, keep up with its rate of production 
that pales in comparison to Ford, GM, etc., etc. So this is a company that has married tech, the future, and the cult of personality around Elon Musk into a stock market valuation that is incredibly high. And after our story was published, shares in the company soared. As well. So it looks like Tesla shares moving on this. And of course, Scott, the other added dynamic to this, as always, is Tesla is one of those battlegrounds for short sellers and bulls. So that's probably one of the reasons why you're seeing up at session highs about 4.5%. And that's partially because some very strong voices in the U.S. market, in the global investing world, do not believe that Tesla is all that it's cracked up to be. And some very, very prominent, very, very sophisticated investors do not believe that Tesla is worth the hype. And so they have bet against the stock. And that is why Tesla is the one of the most heavily shorted stocks on the U.S. equity market. About 27% of the shares available in Tesla are held by people who are betting that its share price will fall. And so when a story like ours comes out and says that the Saudis have bought 5% of, or around, you know, just below 5% of Tesla shares, that means those short sellers get burned and burned very badly. But what we didn't expect was what happened roughly 30 minutes after we published. And that was that Elon Musk said that he was considering taking the company private at a, a higher stock price to what it was, 420, and that he had the funding, quote unquote, funding secured. Simple tweet by Elon Musk, the, uh, shall we say, eccentric CEO of Tesla, sent shares of the electric car company soaring yesterday. We start with the tweet heard around the world, or at least around Wall Street, CEO Elon Musk creating chaos with a single tweet. I'm considering taking Tesla private at 420, funding secured. Okay, so what's going through your mind as all of this is unfolding? I had a very strong suspicion that it was the real deal. But if you could have had a newsroom camera on me, you would have just seen me staring at the screen with my jaw open and just, you know, completely shocked. Most people who we break stories about at the Financial Times or companies we break stories about at the Financial Times, they don't take to social media within 30 minutes of it to then, you know, double down on the information that's come up and just amplify it. It, it sort of is akin to the behavior of one tweeter-in-chief based in Washington, D.C., Donald Trump. And that sort of mentality and behavior applied to business is both terrifying and exciting to people who follow that world. So did you did you have any reason to believe that Musk had been preparing a plan to take Tesla private? Is this something that you'd been hearing from any of your sources? I mean, just a few days before this, I guess I'll call it an explosion, he was assuring investors that you know, next quarter, the company was going to make a profit. You can imagine it from Elon Musk's perspective. He has been incredibly vocal that he hates the fact that so many people are betting against this company's stock. We have no interest in satisfying uh, the desires of day traders. Like, I couldn't care less. Please sell our stock and don't buy it. And, you know, there's a general sense out there in, in the in the public markets that the markets are too short term they don't reward people who take like long visionary bets and therefore the attractiveness of being private is a much discussed part of where we are today in modern society if you think about activist investors and how they squeeze pennies out of public companies and sort of cause incredible distress and distraction uh you can see the uh, you know from the perspective of a ceo you could see the appeal of not having to deal with these people and just focusing on what you're doing and if you think you're 
you know, holier than thou and a very special gift to the earth. And you have this, you know, unbelievable entrepreneurial streak. Uh, you could see why not having to waste your energy on this would be quite attractive. You know, many, many companies in the world have people who bet against their shares. And many CEOs get annoyed when people bet against their shares. But not many people react to the, to the extent of that with which Elon Musk does and takes it so personally and t- just pursues vendettas at an extraordinary sort of childish level uh, and becomes the narrative around his company rather than focusing on the things that they need to do to make sure they meet the, the supply of what they can produce with the demand of what consumers want. Now, whether or not he's actually done this, uh, prepared a take-private plan and the funding was secured, that's going to be the story that plays out in the next few weeks, and it will have incredible implications for uh, the future of his company, the future of litigation against his company, and this battle of short sellers. Let's talk about that for a second. What are the ground rules for declaring what Musk said over Twitter? So let's be clear about one thing, and I, I don't know like word for word the lay of the land of the SEC, so I'm going to caveat what I say with that. But the SEC has already said social media declarations, especially ones that with someone like Musk where he has millions upon millions of followers, that is broad dissemination. So to put market-moving information in a tweet is not against the rules of the SEC, and that's been a change in the law over the last five years as, as the SEC has learned to understand what social media is. But what is against the law, or at least the spirit of the law, it would seem, is if you didn't have truthful declarations in those tweets. And so if the funding wasn't secured and Musk really wasn't pursuing a take-private plan and, and the price he said wasn't 420 or there are half-truths in there, that would seem to be stock manipulation. Let's say you and I owned a company, or I owned a company and you were an investor in it, and I said to the entire world that this company has just been bid for at $200 a share and it's trading at $100 a share and the shares go up and you're the investor. And then it turns out I just made that up. I mean, I've just manipulated the stock and that has consequences. You would be upset because the share price is going to fall again uh, after going up. And I've just lied to the world about something where money was made or lost. And so that has implications and investors are not protected in a situation like that, where they're basically subject to manipulation. And if that was the case here, Elon Musk is heading for a world of pain. That phrase, funding secured, it's kind of become a meme in its own right in the last week or so. But going back to last week, what was the thinking behind where this kind of financing could have even come from? Okay, so just as a starting point, to take a company with Tesla's value private at $420 a share, as Musk is purporting, that's a $70 billion equity value take private. That would be the largest leverage buyout in the history of private equity investing, okay? And one thing you need to know about private equity investing is the reason why it works and the reason why people are able to lend you money because no one's sitting around with $70 billion to just do that, and that would be a phenomenal level of risk. There is a small equity component to pay for the deal and a huge amount of borrowing because taking risk with equity, you know, those risks are far greater than taking it with debt. So to do this with without a huge amount of borrowing is impossible. That's the first point. Second point is, to get that huge amount of borrowing, the people who lend you the money secure their borrowings or have confidence that you can meet those borrowings based on the cash flow of your business. So let's say, let's talk about Dell. The reason why people are willing to lend Michael Dell so much money to do what he wants to do with Dell and do these enormous transactions is because Dell generates a lot of cash flow. 
There are a lot of Dell products all around us in offices and so on. They are constantly selling services. There is a lot of money coming into Dell. That is not the case at Tesla. Tesla does not sit a wash in capital. Tesla does not sell millions of cars. Tesla is just getting going. It is a company that is, you know, somehow worth 60 to $65 billion and still has not proven itself to be a successful company that can even generate a profit. Forget cash flow. And so for me as a bank to then go and lend you 10, 20, 30 billion dollars and let's say a group of us banks do that, that would be one of the most riskiest and craziest actions we could possibly take with our own capital, let alone saying that investors would stump up this money. You would have to be so high on belief that this could take place that that almost almost automatically rules out the banks from from contention here. There are also rules about the level of leverage banks can even lend at. So U.S. regulators in particular since the financial crisis have taken a set of actions that say that banks can't really lend more than six times the earnings before interest tax depreciation and amortization of a company. Tesla being cash flow negative doesn't have, you know, anything to to reach these levels. So basically, this is impossible, is what I'm trying to say, from world's largest banks. And with those guys not in the picture, you already have a phenomenal problem here to take in the company private. Then there are these sort of non-bank actors who have become prolific in the tech and technology world. Right. Groups like SoftBank and its vision fund. Now, I've spoken to people very close to SoftBank who are very familiar with their thinking. And they have told me they believe Tesla is overvalued. They do not see any merits in investing in the company at this level. And they've done their own stuff with General Motors. They have the ride-hailing business. They're very focused on their the things they are doing. And Tesla is not on their list of things. And they will not be investing in it, as far as I know. There's Tencent. They actually bought 5% of Tesla about 18 months ago. So they have a large stake akin to the Saudis. And they have been looking to spend their money and build stakes in companies. And so they could be an interesting person to watch because they've they bought shares in Snap, the social media company, and they've also bought shares in Sweden, Spotify. They don't tend to want to own things, but they want to have very interesting minority positions, 5, 10, 15% in these companies that gives them visibility into some of the more interesting technology opportunities. And their share price and their success with WeChat is so enormous that they, they're looking to place place money. Who else? Then there's the sovereign wealth funds. Obviously, there's the Saudis. Now, when I when I reported this story, I had people with – I wouldn't have reported this story unless I knew the, what I was doing. Let's put it that way. They approached after Mohammed bin Salman visited the U.S. in March and April. They said they wanted to buy new shares in Tesla. They could, you know, they could issue – Tesla could issue new stock. Musk, for whatever reason, did not act on their interest. And the Saudis then built the stake using J.P. Morgan Chase's services in the market. Now, does the Saudi stake give them the chance to roll their shares into an, into a private Tesla? Sure, sure, that's possible. That could have been discussed. But the idea that the Saudis were going to put even more money into Tesla, as far as I could tell, was not one of the things on the radar. And importantly, we've just done a feature on the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund where we discuss the fact that Mohammed bin Salman's some would call characterized wild, I would call it aggressive, risky, deal-making, has put strains on the Sovereign Wealth Fund, which itself was looking to collect $100 billion from the Saudi Aramco IPO, but that is now delayed. So they're having to find alternate sources of funding just to fund their Sovereign Wealth Fund. So the idea that the Saudis are sitting around with $10, $20, 30000000000 billion and want to give it to Elon Musk to make one of the most extraordinary and risky take-privates in the history of business 
That strikes me as odd. So who does that leave? Institutional investors? Again, same thing. They may not want to sell their shares if they're in the stock because they think it's worth more. They they have their own set of problems. And then there's people who could be friends of Elon Musk. And again, they just don't have the kind of money to put money into that. So what I'm trying to say is the list of people here who could potentially fund the money needed to take this thing private in a classic LBO are basically non-existent, uh, which makes this incredibly difficult. Now, there's been some discussion about something called going dark, which a small group of investors basically roll the stock over and buy the shares from other people who want to sell, and then it magically becomes private. My read of that is that it's very difficult. So where is the money coming from? Where is the story that could possibly make this work? And where is the business model through which basically the most sophisticated financiers and governments would allow this to happen? Shortly after Arash and I spoke on Monday morning, Tesla published an update from Elon Musk on its website. It looks like the first effort of Tesla to legally defend what funding secured actually means and what he meant by it. Musk said he met with representatives of the Saudi Sovereign Wealth Fund on July 31st and that he had left that meeting with no question that a deal with the fund could be closed, that it was just a matter of getting that process moving. He also made a point of writing in this letter about how he seals this deal being structured. It's that final going dark scenario that Arash described. In Musk's estimation, about two-thirds of existing Tesla shares owned by current investors would roll over into a private Tesla, meaning he needs financing for just about a third of that $70 billion valuation to buy out the shares of the remaining investors, something closer to about $25 billion, which is still no small sum. Arash, where does this story go from here? What happens from here is we'll have to wait and see. We'll have to see what the Securities and Exchanges Commission investigation turns up. We'll have to see how this Tesla board handles this. I mean, the Tesla board is a mockery to corporate governance. That's another issue that's going to come into play here. $70 billion company, and the board members include Elon Musk's cousin, a guy who in the lead independent director is described as his friend in a Delaware court filing, close friend. And the fact that people are willing to gamble on a company like this just shows you the power of the cult of Musk's personality, but also just the, f- the fact that it's another, it's another indication of just how crazy a market we are in right now. Right. That someone might be willing to fork over even $25 billion to help take a company like Tesla private. A crazy market indeed. Thanks, Arash. We have much more for you to read on FT.com about Tesla and what is to come. You can follow the link in the show notes for this episode. And you know where to find us if you have any feedback or questions on this episode or ideas for future episodes. I know I say it every week, but it really, really means a lot to us to get your suggestions. We do read them closely. You can email behind the money at FT.com or tweet me at Amy P. Keen. That's A-I-M-E-E. We'll be back next week. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. 
In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.